When was the last time you felt like someone actually spent time to really listen to you share about your life? Hopefully it was yesterday, maybe even this morning, but for some of us, it can be a long time. It is not good for human beings to be alone. Some of us are alone almost all of the time. COVID is something that's even helped accelerate that. Now, others of us, we may have people that we are with, but there can still be this feeling that we're just sharing space. There's no real connecting going on. If there is not a feeling of a sharing of life, a, a communion of shared thoughts and feelings and ideas and dreams, well, we could be surrounded by people, but we could still feel alone. Listening is an act of love. According to scripture, listening is also the pathway to wisdom. Last week, we observed the power of empathy that God himself demonstrates great empathy towards us, overcoming loneliness, but even more helping to overcome exclusion. We, we heard last week that we do not have a high priest who can't empathize with us, but instead we have one who has been tempted in every way just like us so that he can empathize and understand the struggles that we are going through. And yet, and this is actually Part of the key way that we defined empathy last week is, is that he is not undone by sin. Empathy is actually something where you can feel like this person is feeling, but you are not undone by what they are going through. The definition that we looked at last week is that empathy is a capacity that allows us to share experiences with others, feel concern, understand their perspective, and then motivates us to take a caring response. Now, some people have a more natural capacity for empathy than others, but we can all grow in our ability to engage in the ministry of empathy. And the primary, we, the primary way that we grow through empathy is really learning how to listen, listening to the whole person and being able to not just hear the words, but begin to really connect with them where they feel heard. This calls for wisdom. The biblical idea of wisdom is deep and rich. The word is hakma. It, it basically means that you not only know the right thing, you know it, but you also do it, but you also do it at the right time. And you put all three of those things together, knowing the right thing, doing the right thing, and doing the right thing at the right time. And you're getting to the biblical idea of wisdom, which is really about skillful living. I mean, have you ever had the situation where you knew exactly what you wanted to say and then you didn't say it at the right time and then it feels awkward? Listen to these words um, from Proverbs. I believe this is Proverbs 18 beginning in verse 13. To answer before listening, that is folly and shame. The human spirit can endure in sickness, but a crushed spirit, who can bear? The heart of the discerning acquires knowledge, for the ears of the wise seek it out. 
A gift opens the way and ushers the giver into the presence of the great. In a lawsuit, the first to speak seems right until someone comes forward and cross-examines. Casting the lot settles disputes and keeps strong opponents apart. A brother wronged is more unyielding than a fortified city. Disputes are like the barred gates of a citadel. From the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled. With the harvest of their lips, they are satisfied. The tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. To answer before listening, it is folly and shame. People need to be heard. People need to be understood. When they're not heard and when they're not understand, this will often lead to disputes, even lawsuits. The human spirit can handle much pain and can handle much pain and suffering, but the spirit getting crushed, who survives that? The biblical idea of wisdom is skillful living. It is knowing the right thing, doing the right thing, knowing and doing and doing it all at the right time. And so the book of Proverbs is filled with advice on listening. 23 times you will hear the command, listen. It is filled with the idea of discerning and growing in understanding. The heart of the discerning acquires knowledge for the ears of the wise seek it out. According to Daniel Goleman, the pioneer of emotional intelligence, and this is the guy who popularized and, and made the observation that EQ, emotional intelligence, is much more of an indicator of people's success in life than IQ. This is what he says. Listening is the single most important relational skill a person can develop. Asking astute questions, being open-minded, understanding, not interrupting, seeking suggestions. All of these are ways that we communicate to other people that they really matter. According to Proverbs, the gift of listening opens the way to real greatness. And it allows us to have an incredible impact on others. James will say this, be quick to listen and slow to speak. Until we really understand the situation, speaking too much may be a huge blunder. You know, this is the part where that's the testimony of, you may think that it's a good idea to testify first until you get cross-examined. And then the cross-examination comes and it really realizes you don't know as much as you thought you did. And the problem is, is that you haven't really spent time to understand. Don't put your foot in your mouth. Ask questions, pay attention, learn to listen, be slow to speak. But realize that the words we speak have power. They can crush the human spirit and they can give life. And the idea of wisdom and the call to Proverbs to think about how you actually listen and speak. Is it saying choose life and so choose to listen carefully Look at listening as hard work, but what you're doing is you're digging for precious metals and jewels. That as you do this work of trying to come alongside somebody and understand where they're coming from, that this is the place that real depth and, and then treasures are found. So today, 
I am going to call you to biblical wisdom. I want to call you to grow in the skill of listening, to grow in your capacity to connect and understand other persons' experiences and perspective. Last week, we talked about really the ministry of empathy. This week, we're going to talk about how we can actually practice being empathetic by learning good listening skills. I'm going to lean on a little bit of human advice. Helen Rice has committed her professional life um, to help medical doctors learn how to empathize with their patients. That's a very good thing. And she's written her work down in a book called The Empathy Effect. And she shares in this the listening skills that she tries to teach doctors so that they can connect with their patients. And I'm going to lean a little bit on her and then I'm going to lean on biblical wisdom because she has seven principles that she gives to help people learn to listen in such a way that they experience empathy. And the great thing about it is, is that it's an acronym and it's spelled empathy. <laughs> so this may be helpful for you to remember. E is for eye contact. Now Jesus is the one who says that the eyes are the lamp of the body. How we see determines how we live. But eyes not only see, they express. Proverbs says this, the bright eyes of a messenger signals joy because the idea is, is that when you see the messenger come and you pay attention to their eyes, you can see in their eyes what the message is going to be. And when a messenger comes with good news and their eyes are bright, you can already go, Whew, okay, this is going to be good. Making eye contact is among the very first of human experiences. When a mother and a newborn lock eyes... A bonding hormone called oxytocin is released in the brains of both mother and child. And that chemical helps flood the brain with the feelings of love, connection, and empathy. It gets flooded into the neural pathways. Studies show that maternal gaze of a mother looking at her child is absolutely essential for the bonding process. And if there is a lack of eye contact in that earliest stage of life, it can have detrimental effects on attachment. Later on in life, this can lead to low self-esteem, difficulty trusting, and even a hard time regulating your emotions. Eye contact and empathy go together. Eye contact and connection go together. Now, obviously, in most situations, we're not just going to stare in somebody's eyes. It gets uncomfortable after a bit. And, 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 you know, this is a part where it's like, you know, lovers may do that for a time, but in, in normal conversations, you don't want to just be staring at their eyes. Studies show that in most normal conversations, people go in and out of eye contact and not lasting more than three seconds. Three seconds of just staring in somebody's eyes can start to get uncomfortable. But to be seen is the beginning of being heard. Now, we have developed a whole host of technologies to help us be able to communicate. 
But the very best communication is in person, face to face, where you can see and be seen. And it begins by seeing their eyes. Rice recommends one simple technique to help you make a good first impression when listening to someone. She says, make eye contact and spend enough time making eye contact that you, that you can recognize their eye color. And just by spending that little bit, that'll, kind of, that'll give you enough time of, okay, you've paid attention and you go, okay, so Ralph has brown eyes. The lights are in my eyes. I probably could have seen. I, I, I think Diane has brown eyes. But, I, but that's the part where it's like, but if you do that, that's helpful. But eye contact also helps you know if the person is ready to hear your response. Or if they're comfortable with the direction of the conversation. When someone wants you to stop talking, they will lower eye contact to a minimum. So... I've been in life groups for a long time. <laughs> and sometimes in different small group situations, you have people who one person tends to dominate. They just talk and talk and talk and talk. And it's supposed to be like a small group where everybody's sharing and the one person just talks. If you've never done this before and you're in a situation like that, look around the rest of the group. And most likely what you will see is everybody in the group is avoiding eye contact with the person talking. Because they're trying to send signals, stop talking. And, and one of the ways that we send signals to people is through our eyes and actually averting. And so sometimes you can read how is a conversation going. If the person doesn't want to look at you in the eyes, it's not going well right now. And maybe you need to try listening a little bit more and get a better understanding of, of where they are at. So E is for eye contact. M is for muscles of facial expression. Our brains are wired to automatically mimic the facial expressions of others. In normal situations, when someone smiles at you, you smile back. Yawns really are contagious. Um, when we see stress or concern on someone's faces our faces may begin to mimic. And then there's this interesting things that happen. There's muscle memory. And as our faces tend to mimic their faces, the muscle memory in our face goes to our brain and we begin to have some kind of an idea of maybe what they're feeling. We have been hardwired for empathy. The muscles help us connect with our perception of what they're feeling. Now, when someone sees our face express something of what they are feeling, there is empathetic connection. Now, at the very same time that there can be this connection, the way that people's faces telegraph their thoughts and emotion is as individual as fingerprints. And that's where good friends tend to be able to read their friends a little bit better than others because they get attuned to the way that their face expresses things. At the same time, there are some emotions that are kind of universal across all cultures about how our faces express the reality. The expression of authentic happiness is what researchers call a zygomatic smile. 
It takes its names from the zygomatous muscles around your eyes. And so, real happiness causes you to smile, but it is a smile that reaches your eyes. Now, we learn, and this is pretty interesting, we learn early on that upturned lips indicate supposedly happiness. But this is at, at five months old, a, a baby will give their parents a zygomatic smile. Their, both their lips and their eyes will smile. And it's the little crow's feet that emerges when you smile and it reaches your eyes. But when a little infant who's five months old sees a stranger, they may smile, but the smile won't reach their eyes. They're learning to do the polite smile. It's indicating, but really on the inside, I'm a little bit uncomfortable because I don't know you, or I'm a little uncomfortable. Or, and this is the part about paying attention to facial expressions, you can see somebody smile with their lips, and then right over the top of their brow, there's a, sometimes a little U, sometimes it's straight. There are muscles in your forehead that when you are nervous or scared or frightened, they crinkle up. And it's just automatic. You can't help it. And so you can learn in the listening to pay attention to people's faces. And sometimes they're smiling, but they're not really smiling because it's not a zygomatic smile. Sometimes, and, and then if you can actually help draw it out where you can create a space where they feel safe and they could talk about it, you, you might be able to help them. To be a good listener means paying attention, especially to the eyes and the face, because they really are the windows to the soul. So E is for eyes, M is for the muscles of the face, P is for posture. So probably most of us know that a lot of communication is nonverbal. We telegraph what we feel through our eyes and our face, but also the way that we hold our bodies. It's not foolproof. Sometimes, slunt shoulders are you're just absolutely physically worn out. But sometimes, slumped shoulders indicate that the person is sad or dejected or depressed. Sitting up tall may mean that your parents just taught you really good posture. But sitting or standing up or sitting up tall, usually, and if, you're, if your legs are spread a little high, confidence, you're feeling good. One thing that happens is that when people connect, we tend to match body postures and even hand gestures. And so you can read people's bodies to see if you and they are connecting. Um, if they turn slightly away from you, if they stiffen their backs, if they're fidgeting nervously, it may be a sign that this conversation isn't going very well right now, that they're not comfortable in it. Now, this was something that I learned as far as going to clinical pastoral education, getting ready to, I, I did chaplaincy, and, and you went through training to do this, because in that situation, you wanna, you wanna be caring for people, and you wanna be present, you wanna try to listen to whatever people want to tell you. 
And one of the things that they, they showed us, and this is a lot about this posture thing, is, is that there's the, the body is important. And so I still remember this. The, um, my supervisor mentor said, okay, so when you walk into the room, one of the things that you want to do is you want to think about your body and their body and, and how things are. And so most people really don't like you standing up over them for a long period of time because that doesn't feel connect. That feels a little bit intimidating. So grab a chair bring it over to the bed, sit the chair down, and you want a nice, comfortable, you know, usually about an arm's length away, try to be close enough, you don't want to be too far back, that starts to project something like you're uncomfortable in the situation, you don't want to be too close in their face, but you're thinking about all of these things, you want to try to be at about eye level or a little bit down, and you want to have an open posture, you don't, you don't want to listen like this. And sometimes when you're listening to things, your body is telling, I mean, and you, and, and you have to pay attention to that because, you know, there are times where you hear something and you're just like, oh, and your body just starts to go like this. And you're sending signals, I want you to stop talking now. You really don't, but you're just feeling it because it's just tough. So, P is for posture. A is for affect, which is just a nice fancy way to talk about feelings. But it goes with empathy, empathy, so it works well. What is the person feeling? Uh, to, to quote a friend of mine, Some of us are born with like the Red Robin four-pack of colors when it comes to emotions. We have a very limited range of emotions that we know how to name and identify. Others of us, you know, they're like the special people who had the 64 Crayola crayons, you know, with the little sharpener inside. And when it comes to feelings, you know, they, they can name magenta. They can name you know, my favorite aquamarine. You know, there's burnt orange, you know. And I, I, some of us, we just orange, red, green, blue. That's it. I, I'm feeling happy. I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling nothing. I, you know, so now... This may take some time for some of us as far as naming these things. But emotions are at the core of challenging conversations. And if we aren't able to name the feeling, we probably won't understand the challenge in this conversation. And so we need to expand our repertoire of understanding feeling words. Are they feeling threatened or is it suspicion? Or are they feeling helpless or overwhelmed? Are they feeling disgusted or shamed or guilty? And if we really don't have an idea of kind of the nuances of those, then we listen. And, but we try to, try to see what are you feeling, and we try to draw that understanding of feeling out. According to research conducted by Daniel Goleman, good listening is much more than being silent when the other person talks. The best listeners ask questions that promote discovery and insight. They're actively engaged with what is being shared, and they respond with the speaker to the ideas, feelings, and situations. It's intended, I mean, the very best listeners, it becomes a cooperative conversation. Proverbs 20, verse 5 says, The purpose of a person's heart, a purpose of a person's heart are deep waters. But one who has insight draws them out. So, a number of years ago, I knew I wasn't feeling right. 
like I, I should have been really happy, but I was feeling nothing. Like I was like emotionally numb. And it just so happened that I had a, I had a, a coaching relationship with um, a friend of mine. And once a month, I would call him up, and he would listen to me, and we would talk. And, um, and, I, and I knew, like, I, I was feeling this. Uh, this uh, and so, and I knew that, like, this was going to happen in a couple days. So I, I, we, we, we get on the phone. We're talking. I know that he's listening. And I start bringing this up. I said, you know, something, it's a little weird. I'm, like, I should be really happy. And... Um, and he's listening, but he asked me a question. He goes, yeah, but didn't that other situation make you really mad? And I'm like, well, I mean, he says, you know, sometimes, Ralph, you got to kick the cat. And, uh, you know, sometimes there's things that you're just, you know, it, I, I, I know, weird statement. I still don't get that one. But, I, that, but, but and, 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 and then I, and I said this thing, and I said, well, I, I mean... I'm a pastor, I shouldn't be mad about that. And then it was like, oh. And then he says, you know, sometimes when you repress your anger, it evidences itself in depression. And then it was like, oh, yeah, I'm depressed. Wow. And, and that was something where I had somebody who was listening, and he was asking me some questions. He was engaging in the ideas. And, 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 and he was helping me get to this place where I could name what I was feeling, but I had to name it. Um, A is for affect. T is for tone of voice. According to Rice, tone of voice contains 38% of the nonverbal emotional content of what a person communicates, and it is a vital key to empathy. Linguists refer to pace, rhythm, and pitch of spoken language as prosody. And what prosody does is it infuses the content of your words with emotions. I can say the very same thing, and I can say it with different emotions. And when you hear it, you know that I'm meaning something different than what I said. And I'll, I'll give you an example. You are so good at that. And, and me, that's what I'm, I'm really admiring. I, I think that's great. That's admiration. You are so good at that. And there's a little bit of jealousy. Same words, different tone. <laughs> yeah, you are so good at that. I'm being sarcastic. Um, and so when you're listening... You want to listen to the way they say things, and you want to try to tune in to their tone of their voice. Um, tone of voice is more important than the actual words. Paying attention to the tone can determine whether there is, a, whether there is an empathetic connection. It isn't just the hearing of their tone, but it's also realizing the tone of your voice. Generally, when we start to connect with somebody in good communication, our tones tend to match. Um, 
But there's times where if the person is really upset or if they're really angry, you want to lower your tone to try to help bring them down. Because in real connection, we'll tend towards trying to match one another. H is for hearing the whole person. Rice calls this empathetic listening. It's putting all of your listening skills together where you pay attention to their eyes, their face, their body, um, the language, the words that they use. You identify their emotions. You process their words, their tone. And then, having heard the whole person, you respond with compassion. Now, sounds easy? When two people are in conflict with each other, this is really, really hard. Rice comments, the basic principle behind empathetic listening is to first try to understand the other person's perspective. And then, after you have a sense of where they're coming from, only then do you really try to have your point of view understood. One exercise that's particularly helpful when two people are in conflict and they're struggling really just to hear each other is a talk-listen exercise where you set a timer and one person gets to talk for 10 minutes without interruption. And the other person just listens. And then you flip it. And the next person gets to talk for 10 minutes without interruption. And they're supposed to talk as if they're the first ones talking. Where they're just sharing their perspective, their point of view. And one of the things that this exercise does is it usually brings down the tension because when you've had 10 minutes of somebody listening to you, and it's clear that they're trying to listen, you begin to get a little bit more of the sense that you're being heard and your sense of frustration lowers. Putting all of this together is difficult. It's going to take practice. You and I will make mistakes over and over and over. One of the great challenges is that we often can hear the chief complaint, but we don't often hear the chief concern. I'll give you an example of a teacher and a student. A student comes up to a teacher and is complaining about their grade. The teacher hears the chief complaint. They're complaining about their grade. But if the teacher does not dig down, they may not hear the chief concern. If I don't pull this grade up, I'm not going to get this scholarship, and my parents aren't going to help pay for school, and the only way that I can get into the college that I want to get into is if I have a scholarship, and so it's really, really important that I can try to do something to help change this grade. There's a difference between the, ch the chief complaint and the chief concern. The concern, there's more going on underneath the surface. A good listener is going to be curious the goal is deep understanding. Sometimes we're going to help draw people out, like my friend Jim did, where he listened to me, and then he, and, and then he, he kind of identified, and he knew me a little bit, and it was great. Paying attention to precipitating issues only get us so far. But when we are able to attend to the deeper underlying issues, this becomes the golden experience where empathy and understanding come together and people feel heard. And then they feel cherished because listening is an act of love. And then sometimes they even feel helped.
And that is an act of grace. Every time two people make contact, they come away either feeling better and more energized or worse and more depleted. Daniel Goleman says it's as if we carry our own little emotional ATM around with us all the time. And each encounter that we have either deposits a little something into our emotional reservoir or it sucks a little bit out. This is true not only of our interactions with people, but also with pets. This is the heart. This is at the heart of why we even have pets. It's why some pets are more life-giving than other pets. I have both cats and dogs, and so I can tell you and witness this. There is a received pet wisdom of a difference between cat and dogs that is very theological. A dog says, you love me, you feed me, you shelter me, you care for me, you must be God. And a cat says, you love me, you feed me, you shelter me, you care for me, I must be God. <laughs> and the reality is, is that you have dog people in your life and you have cat people in your life. And there are some people that fill you up and there are some people that deplete you. What God wants all of us to know is that he is God and he wants to fill us up. But he wants to fill us up to overflowing so that we do have a reservoir where we can then spill over blessing and love and help to others. Why stands for your response. Your response is not what you say next. One of the great challenges in listening is that we are not listening to understand. We're actually plotting our position. We are strategically thinking about our comeback. But if we can get to a place of real empathetic listening, what's going to happen is, is that we are going to start feeling something in this conversation and our own feelings may help us understand what they are feeling. When there is good listening, there is a physiological concordance. Our heart rates, and then there's a, this reading that they do. This is what lie detectors do. They, they can tell how your skin is excreting sweat. And what tends to happen is, is that as people really begin to connect... Their heart rates and their sweat glands get into tonal connection. If you're listening to somebody and you're really listening, you may not even realize it, but you begin to start to feel something. Your response is just this one last thing where you look at it and say, what am I feeling? I think I'm starting to feel anxiety. I wasn't feeling anxiety before this conversation, but now I'm feeling Man, I'm kind of, maybe, and, and, and that's where you go. Maybe this person is actually feeling a little anxiety. Your response is listening to what your body is telling you. And that may be an indicator of not just your feelings, but their feelings. In Henry Nouwen's book, Community, he writes, Jesus is the one who listened. And then he goes on and he makes this observation. Listening comes from the Latin word, audir, 
to listen with great attention is ob-adir, from which we get the word obedience. Jesus is the obedient one, the one who listened with great attention to his father. And then now it goes on and he says, and what he heard from his father over and over and over is you are my beloved. And this is what I want to invite you to realize. This is precisely what Jesus wants you and me to be. Beloved sons and daughters of God. When Jesus says that it is good for you that I go so that I can send my spirit. He is saying it is good for you and me that he goes so that he can send his communion. The actual experience of the relationship that he has with his father into our hearts. So that you and I would listen and over all our listening we would hear God's voice. Listening to the voice of the one who listens to all of our words. I was thinking about this. Just yesterday, God knows all of our words. He knows our eyes to the greatest detail. He's always listening. He knows everything we said. He always sees our face. He always understands. <laughs> he knows what our posture is. He hears what we're feeling. He hears our tone. He hears what we're trying to say, and he even knows what we don't know what to say. He knows what's actually going on. And he feels great compassion for all that we suffer. And this is the voice that he wants you to hear. And if you and I would only... Listen, he is always whispering over and over and over, you are my beloved. He is the God who listens and speaks. He hears the deepest words of our souls. He hears our shame and our guilt and our self-hatred, our narcissism. He listens to us through the night. He wants to help us get into the light of the sun. So that we might hear his words. Do not be afraid. For I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. And you are mine. You are precious in my eyes. Because you are honored and I loved you. These are very words of scripture. This is Isaiah 43. And then this is Isaiah 54. The mountains may depart. The hills may be shaken. But love for you will never leave you. And my covenant of peace. You will never be shaken. Chances are. You think that you're a good listener. People's appraisal of their listening ability. Is a lot like their appraisal of driving. 90% of us think that we're above average drivers. The math doesn't work. I'll admit to you, I'm probably not a very good listener. I'm a, I'm a preacher. I, I speak all the time. I'm thinking about what I say all the time. But I want to be a good listener. And I definitely want to grow in my ability to listen. And I want to call you to grow in this as well.
So here's all I'm going to ask you today. I want you to pray and I want you to ask God for a number. How many conversations are you going to have this week where you're going to go in intentionally trying to listen with the skills of empathy, paying attention to eyes, looking at the muscles of their face, looking at their posture, naming the affect, getting to this place where you listen to the tone of their voice, where you can hear the whole person, and maybe, just maybe, your body will begin to tell you a little bit of what they're feeling so that there can be this place of deep connection. Some of us, you, you know, the number might be one. And some of us, it might be 14. I don't know. But there's a number that I want you to pray for that you are then going to go and you are going to look to have some conversations. And if it's more than one... Have a few of them be with people outside your own home. Let us pray.